We're joined by Linwood City Council member Josh Binda, who made history by becoming the youngest Black person ever elected in Washington. Today on the left wing, we'll be discussing the controversial recall effort against Mr. Binda, which has been instigated and which has been investigated and condemned by the NAACP. I'm Dr. Erica Okumoto of the Cocktails and Capitalism podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host Desmond Price of Independent Thought, as well as John Cooper of Counterpoint Politics. Uh, welcome to the show, Josh. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, thank you guys for allowing me to come on this platform and talk about everything. Um, I'm excited for this opportunity, and, and I think this is going to be a great um, way to get my story out there and kind of talk about this and kind of, you know, inform the public of what's been going on um, with my situation and kind of correlated to not just how this is a theme with me, but just even on a national scale with um, BIPOC legislators that are currently um, having to overcome similar um, struggles as me. So I'm excited to come on here and talk about this and be a part of this. So um, whenever you guys are ready to start asking questions and put everything out there, mm -hmm. Um, I'm ready to I'm ready to get started. You know, I'm I'm, I'm quite familiar with telling the story at this point. I feel like <laughs> my my life story, you know. <laughs> and well, so um, I've had to tell it so many times. So I'm I'm excited to come on on here and do the same thing. Well, Josh, let's jump straight into it then. Like that, Erica mentioned, you are young, like very young, like Gen Z, the vanguard of the next generation of politics. One of the youngest politicians in the country, a young black man of color, and I guess, yeah, young black men, most black men are of color, but the <laughs> the the point here is that when that happens, when that new generation starts to come in, there's two reactions. Some people see it as hopeful, exciting. They're excited about the future. Some people, however, see it as a threat. They see it as, as something that needs to be stopped. They, they see it as something that is going to hurt them. So as you entered into the world of politics, what did you see more of? Did you see more of the the support or or, or more of the people who were scared of you? And, and could tell some stories about, about both of them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, before I dive into that, let me, I'll tell a little bit, just an overview about my life story, a little bit of my history, so you understand a little bit about who I am. And I'll dive right into that question and answer that. So yeah, um, my name's, you know, Josh Binda, like they said, I'm, I'm 23 at the moment. Um, I live in Linwood, Washington. Um, I'm originally from Providence, Rhode Island. I was born in Providence, Rhode Island. My family migrated to this country um, from Liberia. Um, it's a West country in West Africa. Um, there were refugees going through a civil war at this time frame. In the late 1990s, they're slaughtering our people back there. They were, and there's a lot of corruption within the government going on um, that uh, my family felt they need to escape. And so they happened to win an international lottery visa during the same time period that this is going on and were able to escape as refugees and came to, you know, the U.S. with nothing but their clothes on their backs. And later on, I was born um, November 18, 1999 in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, my mom and dad had split up um, during that time frame, probably when I was about one or two. My dad kind of moved away to go to school and do his own thing and ended up being raised, you know, single mom of four in the projects. You know, we didn't have much. We struggled. There's definitely times, you know, our lives got cut off. We didn't have food. You know, there's a lot of gang violence, a lot of drug dealers. And that kind of stuff going on in our area. Um, grew up there for the majority of us in my my young adulthood. I, and until I was about 14, 15. Not gonna lie, wasn't always the best kid on the block, wasn't always the best dude on the block. Definitely got into trouble in school, definitely had a potty mouth, definitely got suspended <laughs> for fighting. Again, you know, it was just kind of um had nothing to do with who I was as an individual, but more had to do with you know kind of my environment and just kind of what I was surrounded with and the what I looked up to in that in that time frame was a lot different. I didn't have many positive role models at that time frame. Wasn't until I was about 14 years old, moved out to the West Coast out here, uh, where I came to move in Lin the city of Linwood, which I live right now. And um, basically been here ever since, you know, got, um, there's a lot of things we'll get into about my activist background and all that later. But um, um, basically that was kind of my, a little bit of my upgrade moved out here. We'll get into how I got involved in politics a lot later, but to answer your question, um, I would say it's very interesting. So the the positive of, you know, people seeing me as coming in there and being hopeful, stuff like that. And this is why I think there's a huge, you know, disconnect. The establishment saw me as a threat, saw me as, you know, like, you know, this person's coming here and to change things up, it's gonna change that. So like I was a threat to the establishment, but I gave hope to the people. And and so this, you know, this establishment where someone like me coming to office threatens how they do things threatens how the system originally runs, you know. They're not used to having someone obviously of my, like 
that's why I think intersectionality plays a huge part of all of this. You know, I'm everything, literally everything a politician shouldn't be. You know, <laughs> young, you know, black, you know, um, I have tattoos, I wear earrings, you know, I'm very out there. My like it's 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 everything that's against the status quo of a politician. And to the people that gave them hope that wow, like you can be a regular person and get in these spaces and do these things. And like, that's so cool to see someone that looks like me, looks like my children, looks like such and such in there. But to the establishment, it's a threat because now it threatens everything they say a politician should be and a politician should act like and all this and that. So then it threatens their positions because then people are now they're under a microscope and like, okay, now that we have this person here that's not like us, people are gonna compare him to us and see how he does things. And someone like me, that's a regular person that doesn't have, you know, million dollar friends or a homeowner, all this and that, you know, when I'm making decisions, I'm thinking of all people and I'm bringing all perspectives to the table. Whereas in a lot of these people, it's just a status quo thing with their good old buddies crew and keeping their homeowners and their best friends all in power and all have money. And so I think coming into it, I just realized um, that the establishment, the people in, the, in these positions, all that saw me as a threat. Um, but the people themselves, the, the ones that actually vote, the ones that are actually putting this position, saw me as a glimmer of hope. You know, that was kind of a that was kind of a weird, uh, interesting thing, because you think that, you know, these people in these positions that, that want the future, that say that they always talk about, oh, we politicians, we're fighting for the future, for the youth, for our country, you know. But um, in reality, it's, it's, I realize a lot of that's all talk, you know, and a lot of it's just not really what they say it is, you know. And so I think that's that was kind of the intricate um thing that I realized as I was getting into my position, you know, who was actually wanting me to be there and not. And I, I hope that answered your question. Right, Josh, one of the things I want to ask you about is kind of like, you know, more or less the the controversy that led you here specifically, you know, so yeah. you are facing like a recall effort versus, you know, multiple <laughs> accusations that have come your way uh, mm -hmm. through what it seems like, you know, people, you know, like from the city council itself, you know, people, and local like newspapers where you're at in Linwood, Washington. So I, I want to just get to the to the bottom of exactly like how this all started, you know, what exactly is happening, what they're leveling against you, you know, particularly like you're being accused of use uh, recording a video in City Hall to promote your speaking tour, spending around like $3,000 on campaign funds and personal expenses, posting a shirtless photo on Instagram. Can't be doing that, Josh. And, you know, and so I want to ask you specifically, that, can you talk was, about that was what sent them over the edge? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the nail in the coffin. So can that you can you lay out coffin. this full picture for us? Can you talk about like one, these accusations particularly, and two, what exactly is going on with this recall method? How did it start? And why do they say that they're coming after you more or less? Oh man. Um Let's just, this recall effort, well, let's just start with the controversy. The controversy started before I was even elected, you know. Um, um, parts of my history, you know, before getting elected, I was a huge um, activist, well-known activist in our area, in Seattle, Greater Seattle, Snohomish County area. Um, you know, I led, you know, quite a bit of protests all across our state. I was a huge leader in our Black Lives Matter movement. I had a lot of, you know, community, a lot of support, a lot of momentum behind me. Um, people would come out in the thousands to hear, you know, us talk about these, you know, things that we need to change legislatively, you know, with police brutality, with accountability, you know, with legislative reform on, you know, banning chokeholds and stuff like that. Um, I was a huge leader in that um, movement out here in the Pacific Northwest. And um, because of that, you know, as I, you know, once I announced I was running for office, you know, it set a lot of dog whistles to, let's say, a lot of, you know, right wing um Republicans in our area that wouldn't want to see a Black Lives Matter activist, you know, in that position. But um, they didn't take me serious. Um, they didn't take me serious. You know, I was when I announced I was going to run, I was a 21 year old college student. I took a gap year, my my junior year in college, to run for office. Um, no political wow. experience. Yeah, no political experience. Didn't have my degree, um, but just had a passion, a wanting to make a difference, to step up, to be a leader. And um, had things that I think our, our community, we needed more representation. We needed someone at the table that was going to actually be a voice of the people. And so I decided, you know, with what I was able to do, with the organizing I was able to do, to step up. And I was challenging a former, you know, incumbent, former three-time city council member who had never lost a race. Her name was Lisa Utter. You know, she was a, you know, Democrat, just like Democrat, you know. 
I'm yeah. just like me, you know, she we talk about know, the Democrats a lot on the on yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like me, you know, she had a you know, she had her master's degree from like Sport Throne. She was, you know, had never lost a race, she was very well known in her community, but I felt like she didn't have the values of the people at her heart, and I felt like she would represent, you know, who we were. Um, so I, I ended up going up against her um in our um election. And I remember, you know, a lot of people thought this kid has no chance. She, I was out there campaigning, running a very grassroots campaign, was door knocking, com, you know, consistently, was using social media as a huge platform, you know, because if I was to win this race, I'd be the youngest person of color um, in state history and one of the youngest politicians in the country. Um, so there's a lot of social media, you know, um, presence on it. There's a lot of local, you know, news stations and all that covering this race because of, you know, the history that would be behind it. Um, but nobody had taken me serious, um, really. I don't think they took, she didn't put out a single yard sign. She didn't do a single like bit of campaigning, you know, to her, this was this 21 year old, like no chance. And and so it wasn't until the primary election, uh, which honestly, I remember going to the primary election. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like, I don't like, you know, as much as I was running a very great race, stuff like that, you know, I'm going against the establishment. I'm thinking, you know, yeah. if, I, if I lose, I just want to lose close. You know, I just want to have a couple percentages, you know, in between us. So I'm like, <laughs> I, if I'm going to lose this thing, I was like, you know, I just want to lose close because, you know, I knew I campaigned hard, but you just never know when you're going against, you know, the establishment like that. Um, what's yeah. what the people's take is going to be. Um, and so to my surprise, you know, when the election results came back, um, the final election, the primary election results was, you know, I won and not only did I win, I won pretty big. I you know I got 45 percent of the vote and, you know, there was two other people in the race and she got 29 percent and the other person got 28 percent. So I won by 16 points in the wow. primary, um, which was huge. It shook, it shook the entire state's like world. It was like, how the hell is this kid? Like, like people were just shocked, you know, that someone like me could do something like that against. It was a huge, huge upset. You know, and it wasn't until then, that's when they, the right wing started sending their, their dog whistle after me because then they saw, okay, this kid's actually a threat. Yeah, he could actually win this thing. Um, so what happened was the owner himself of the Limwood Times is a guy named Mario Lotmore. Um, he runs the Limbo Times in the area, and just to, for disclosure, some background information on him. Um, he's a, he is a registered Republican. He actually ran for um, Senate as a Republican back in 2018, lost, um, and now he runs his little right-wing rag called the Limbo Times in our community. Um, <laughs> that's what it is, um, to, to, you know, to give himself some sort of authority, whatever. But, um, yeah, once he saw that I won the election, him... And there's another guy who's a former Linwood police detective. His name is um, T.J. Brooks. And another guy who's notorious for filing public disclosure commission PDC complaints. That's what they are. It's like when they can go into your campaign expenditures and find things, little things to complain about and do all that. Mm -hmm. A guy named Glenn Morgan. They started um, doing a dive deep, a dig deep into my my um, campaign expenditures, into everything about me, seeing if they can find any dirt on me to try to come up with something because... Um, they didn't think I was going to win the primary. And once I came out pretty big, then I all of a sudden became like this threat that they was like, okay, this kid could actually like win this thing, you know? And so um, I sat down with my consultant. I sat down with my team. I said, we like broke it down. I was like, look, um, I don't know what's going on. I've been hearing that, you know, and I want to make this very clear. You know, this is my first time ever running a campaign. I don't know nothing about no public disclosure commission or what's camp related, not what's not camp related or my, my, my team, for the most part, were high school students wow. uh, that were out there grassroots with me. It was predominantly high school students. I think my campaign manager was 21. Wow. And the oldest person on my campaign team was my consultant, who's 40, you know, and he's and he was, you know, running other races, too. So it was a very youth-led, like, mm -hmm. movement, you know. So none of us knew anything about these, like, PDC complaints and, you know, things we had to stand. So, like, when I sat down with my consultant, and we went over and I think I, I raised the most out of, you know, even our mayoral candidates in our cities and stuff like that. They raised about close to 30 grand um, for my campaign race, grassroots. And uh, so we went over our expenditures and stuff like that. I was like, okay, what's, we want to figure out what's campaign related, what's not campaign related, just so we could make sure that we were in, you know, coherence with everything that the PDC says so they can't nag us for anything. And so as we went through and stuff like that, it was like, okay. This is, these are all considered campaign related. There's a certain amount here that, okay, maybe this is not campaign related or maybe that's not. I was like, okay. Like I, I had no idea, you know, what, what was deemed not or was deemed so. And so um, I made a um, I made a gesture myself personally to reimburse my um, campaign 
for anything was considered non-campaign related. This was done basically two months before, seven weeks exactly, before any complaint was ever filed on me, anything was ever done. We already taken care of, we figured out what was considered non-campaign related and reimbursed our campaign. Um, but because the Linwood Times owner and these guys had been doing their little digging our public disclosure commissions, trying to find anything they could, and I saw that we had reimbursed our campaign for a certain amounts, stuff like that. Um, the Linwood Times owner himself, um, the day of the ballots, the day the ballots dropped, which for for disclosure, the amount was about twenty seven hundred. That was considered non campaign related that we reimbursed two months before any complaint was filed, and the complaint was filed by the Linwood Times owner himself and these buddies. And then the day the ballots dropped um, in November, um, the Linwood Times drops an article, Josh been under investigation for up, upwards of $10,000 in campaign spend, like mysterious campaign expenditures. Like just threw out a number there. And like the whole goal of that was to try and get voters to not vote for me the day the ballots were coming out. And so it was, it was a Shamir campaign. They were trying to run against me. Um, and so I was getting calls all over the place, like, Josh, what's going on? What's this we're seeing? What times are you having? Like, I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. Up to, like, first of all, like, there's nowhere near $10,000 of anything being spent. And I was like, second, this 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 is already handled. This is already taken care of. We already reimbursed this with the PDC. I don't know what, why this is coming out when this is already something that we personally handled ourselves um, in our, in our you know, with our own integrity. And so that had happened, long story short. Um, that that wasn't able to stop me. I still got elected, made history, was able to overcome that. Um, but there's a lot of these, like basically since my entire campaign race up until now, the Linwood Times has been on my ass um, about any and everything. And like they have not, I don't think they've written a single good article about me, which honestly like is I expected, I guess. Um, but it started off with that. And when I overcame that, um, another thing happened where the whole thing you're talking about with there was a whole thing with me filming a, a video in city hall and so i went on this school tour um all across the state it's called the love conquers all tour it was, it's supposed to be very positive um was meant to i went to about 20 schools spoke to about twenty thousand students all across our state um it was partnered up with the school districts they, they they paid for me to come out to the schools and the whole thing was us going out there to teach them the message of the importance of leading with love how to be leaders now um, how they're not too young to step up and be a voice and do good in their community. And it was a very positive thing. All the youth were super inspired. It got a lot of statewide, you know, media and press, a lot of good notoriety. It was doing, it was, it was a very positive thing. But, you know, you have these jealous Republican haters that are seeing this young Black progressive getting all this press and it's positive and doing all this and that. And then, oh, yeah, it was, it, this is, I think this is what really got them upset, you know, because obviously at these schools, you know, I'm going to, not all these kids come from progressive or democratic households, you know, a lot of them, some of them come from conservative, you know, Republican households and stuff like that. And so you had all these kids going home, like, oh my God, mom, dad, I met this super cool guy at school today, like, and he came from school, he taught us about this and that, and he was super amazing, and there's like, oh, who? What are you talking about? And like, oh yeah, like Josh Binda, like from Linwood, like the the progressive guy. And so the parents would search me up and see I'm this progressive, like Democratic candidate. And then I get emails from some of these parents, like, how dare you come to our schools and indoctrinate our children with your progressive values and this and that? And like, we don't, we did not have our schools, our taxpayer dollars are not meant for you to come and indoctrinate us, our children, and you need all all that bull crap, you know. And so um, that's what really sent, made them upset. And so what? before I went on this tour, I filmed the video in City Hall. Um, basically, it was supposed to be an announcement video to the kids, basically saying, hey, I'm super excited. I'm coming on this tour to come speak to you guys. It's going to be fun. It's going to be like, I'm, I'm really excited to come out there and, and, and educate you guys about this and that. And make, basically help engage with the youth, make them excited that I'm coming there and such and such. And basically, I didn't know, but I found out that um, why after I'd done this, some of my council members and all of that had had meetings um, with our city attorney behind closed doors to find out if I broke any rules or regulations or anything by filming that video in City Hall. And so I guess our city attorney, I told them, you know, I didn't break any state laws. I didn't break any city laws. But there's one thing in question, like our municipal code. We have a Linwood municipal code. Uh, I don't I don't know what the difference is between that and a rule or whatever, but it's a municipal code that... Um, city officials can't use city premises for their own personal gain or profit. And so the whole thing with this was 
they were trying to correlate the fact that I was getting paid from this tour, which I've been public speaking the last three years. This is part of my job that I do outside of council. Like council doesn't pay us enough to be, I'm sorry, it does not pay us enough. Like we, everyone has a job outside city. It's part time, like our city yeah. council. <laughs> like we're not making nowhere near, like everyone has to have a career outside and this is part of my career and stuff like that. And I was already, the contracts with the school districts are already settled and done with. There's no, like, it was already set and done with the schools before this video was even filmed. The video was just alone just supposed to be an announcement to the kids for a mandatory assembly they had to go to. You know what I'm saying? And so our city council, once they heard the, from the city attorney saying that, I mean, I guess you could try and, you know, see about this municipal code, but that's not something, like, you have to do. But I guess our city council, they once they found out there's something they can nag me for, potentially, they took that and ran with it. And our next city meeting, you know, I had no idea, but our council got there. And then I saw our Linwood Times reporter in, there and the Everett Herald reporter there, which is another, you know, right wing kind of media. And I already knew when I, once I saw them, I was like, oh, crap. So I, was like, oh, shit. I was like, damn it. I was like, what happened? And so they were there. And so basically our, our city council correlated with them. And at that meeting, our city council voted to take me up for um, investigation for potentially violating our city municipal code. Mm -hmm. And then you have in the papers, Josh Brenda under investigation for mm -hmm. violating his own the office or this, like just completely, yeah. Nothing, completely. nothing says small town conservative values like getting all upset about a city municipal code, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A city municipal code. And um, so that was what happened with that. And then the following meeting, it's like it's like they were building up this movement the following meeting after that. Um, so this was around the time I was finishing up my school tour. And um, so to dedicate, to commemorate to the tour, to all the people I inspired, to everything that I had taken place because of such an amazing experience, I got the words, love conquers all, I'm tattooed on my tricep here. And um, to commemorate to the tour, um, and so I took a, I did a, I did a photo shoot where you know it's a side shirtless, but which if you go on my Instagram, I have shirtless photos dated back to 2018. This is not, it's not like this is off brand. This is not new for Josh Minda. This is, this is me. <laughs> I got elected with shirtless photos on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this is not, this is not new, you know. And so, and this, I, this if any, this is one of the probably most least provocative shirtless photos I actually have. You know, yeah. I'll like, say those ones are more provocative, if anything. <laughs> if anything. None of them are meant to be provocative, but if you're going to choose one, it's definitely not this one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so it was a side shot, you know, that had the word, like, with the Love Congress All Tattoo showing, and it showed a little bit of side boob, I guess. <laughs> and, like, my like my upper body is, like, my like a side shot of my abs, you know, and so, um, and it was in the in the bio in the in the thing I talk about, you know, how much this tour meant to me and how much I I, I was so inspired. I got the words "Love Conquers All" tour tattooed on me, and it was also supposed to be an announcement for my new public speaking business that I started earlier this year, um, which is now run through an LLC called Josh Bennett Speaks LLC. So it's also like an announcement post of my new business that I um that I announced as well, and for the most part. Like I, everyone was super happy about it. You read the comments, be like, "Congratulations, it's super amazing, dope." That's not. That. I'm like, you know, people are receiving it pretty well for the most part. And then, the following Monday, um, I see on the Linwood Times posted, Josh Benda, um, sexually promotes himself to minors to promote <laughs> Love Conquers All Tour. Oh, and then I'm like, "Are you fucking wow. kidding?" <laughs> yeah. Wow. But like, are you are you crap? Like really? How does your mind go to that off of a side shot of a shirtless? Like, I don't understand how that yeah. even was processed. And if you read the article, they were the just too like, turned on by it. You know, all those people yeah, that were outraged. You know, some, somebody, <laughs> no, no. Somebody's wife or some, I don't know, somebody got, a, yeah. somebody's wife got, was probably turned on by it and he got offended. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just recap but, all this here. You had a picture that you posted of yourself yeah. on Instagram and they accused you of indoctrinating children for posting a shirtless photo you you know the money that yeah right the money and, that they claim that you spent you ended up you know going back and reimbursing that right eight weeks seven weeks prior to even even being a complaint right like almost two months and all these hit pieces are coming from the news the only newspaper in town owned by a republican owned by a republican no time owner and so so what happened once i posted that shirtless photo and stuff like that 
and they came out with that article the following week um there was like a group of six republicans where half of them were from miami town um well i forgot to say oh in, in the Linwood touch article he writes public outcry there wasn't no damn outcry it was like <laughs> it was like if you go to the actual page there's like three people talking about oh my god this is inappropriate this is unacceptable uh like and there's like two likes on the comment and he tried to make it seem like it was some public. The public, and you read the article. The references he used are his buddies. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh God! Like it's just like this. Like they're cre- like creating this outcry that doesn't exist. Like yeah. you go to the post, you read the comments. Nobody was offended. Like, um, and so the next week, um, on our city council meeting, there were six Republicans that showed up. Half of them not from Linwood, um, with T-shirts saying "Resign, Bended Now." In the Black Lives Matter logo, and they come to city and they come to city council, and one by one they come up there and talk about how much of a disgrace this is, how much I'm asking kids to tattoo their names on their bodies, how that's how I'm in dark, like it's just, I'm sexually provo- provoking myself to kids. And I'm like, first of all, you know, kids can't get a tattoo until you're eighteen. There's no like, like I'm not I'm not, I'm not asking no one to get like that. Like, there's no way it's what? illegal. Like I'm like I'm like okay, you guys are going I don't know crazy, wow. and somehow. From that meeting ended up making it to our statewide news and stuff like that um that there's these parents infuriated about me you know it was called it's called Cairo seven news it's a pretty statewide no, local news here um and ended up making it on there talking about asking me to resign and such and such that's where this whole movement really started um and so um and then that that interview blew up on our media i think it, it, it had over in total, over a thousand plus comments. Anyone, ninety five percent people were like, "Why the hell are they come in this kid for beach? Like, have you ever been to a beach? Like, this, like this is not a bit like people are like, this is just some Karen, you know, with some, you know, having yeah. out, uh, outfit or or uh, outcry about it because she's offended that someone else was shirtless and on their Instagram, their kids would see, even though I'm pretty sure your kids have access to way more <laughs> offense, uh, yeah. uh, out there things than my Instagram, my personal Instagram." Um, and so that's what started this whole, you know, recall effort against me. And they started trying to use that against me. And then this was another thing. This was one of the probably even bigger things that happened. And so there was some, there's something called the National League of Cities. Um, it's a national conference that's held down in DC. It's a congressional conference. Um, and it's held down there, elected officials from all over the country, um, go. It's like whether you're city council member, state legislator, such as if they go down there to DC. Um, you know, there's 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 workshops, there's guest speakers. Like the one I went to, Joe Biden spoke. You know, Congressman Maxwell Frost is supposed to be there, speakers, well, such and such, and all these things. Um, and so, um, as a council member, we have a discretionary budget. I think for us here in Linwood, it's about twenty five hundred a year, which we can use um, to go on. You know conferences go to such and such things so many things um that we see fit in order to you know enhance us to make us better our position and such and such um and so you know this conscious you know intrigued me it was something that i thought um i'd want to do and so um i called my council um my council assistant and let her know i said hey like i'm very interested in this national league of cities conference i'd love you to register me i'd want to go down there and be a part of it um it's something that i'm very interested in i said oh yeah like I'll, I'll i'll register you i'll you know we'll pay for the flight and everything the conference such and, and get that all handled i was like all right perfect that sounds great um thank you and she's like yeah i'll let you know when it's when it's confirmed and i was like awesome and so we hang up the phone you know things are getting handled settled and done and then an hour later I get a phone call from our council president and her name's Shannon Sessions. And she she's definitely there Republican. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shannon Sessions, she's definitely Republican, definitely, you know, conservative on that side of things. And she's our council president, which for disclosure on this, council president doesn't mean crap. Like like all they do, the only thing they have more than any other person in the council is they set the agenda for the next week. You're all on the same level of power, you all have the same level of authority, you all have the same, you're all elected officials. There's no like authority over anyone as council president. And so um, she calls me, you know, I knew when she called me because she never calls me. So I knew when she called me, I thought, oh, this can't be good. And I was like, okay. Like, as like, she, she called me, she goes, hey, Josh, how's it going? I was like, hey, Shannon, like, you know, you're having a good day so far. You know, <laughs> how's it going, you know? Like, and she goes, yeah, like, it's going good, stuff like that. And I was like, I was like, what, so what may, what makes me, you know, deserve this phone call today? You know, and she goes, oh, well, um, I just want to call you to let you know 
um, that you um, that you're not going to this National League of Cities conference. And I go, um, excuse me, um, what do you mean I'm not going to this conference? Um, I called their council assistant. I got myself registered. Like, pretty sure I'm not going to this conference. She's like, well, um, you're not going because I'm telling you you're not going. And to me, you're not a council in good, in good standing. And so I don't believe you should be going to this conference. So we're, you're not going to go. And I was like, um, well, Shannon, um, I, don't, I don't think that's within your jurisdiction or your right to tell me as an elected official where I can or can't go and do with, with, my, with my position. I don't think that's in your jurisdiction. I was, like, I was like, you know what, I'd actually like to talk to our city attorney about this because I don't think that's within your right to tell me what I can and can't do. And she goes, well, you're just ignorant. And, oh, my God. What? And you're not going because I'm telling you you're not going. And if you knew the rules, you know that. And if you'd like, and if you'd like to go, um, I can try and put this on the agenda on Monday for the council to make a vote on it. But you don't want to do that because that'd be quote unquote embarrassing for you, because she knows she'd have the majority, the council, the conservative council, to vote it down. And so I go, well, I don't think that's when you're right. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to our city attorney and find out if that's something that you can even do and figure it out. And she goes, all right, well, good luck, and and we'll see about that. And so, and the phone call there, and about an hour later, I get an email from our um, city assistant basically saying, per council leadership request, now that if you'd like to go on this trip, that um, we'd have to put on the agenda on Monday for a discussion with the rest of the council. And mind you, during this whole time period, we have another council member going to this trip, um, fully funded by the council. There's no what? approval. There's no approval process. There's nothing that she didn't have to have it bring up to discussion with the council. None of that. Um, and it and by and now we find out through our NWCB investigation, she was actually even over budget to go, and they still paid for her to go. That's me. And so, I, and I was under budget. And so, um, because like I was for such a short time frame to go to this conference and all of that, like um, I was like, you know what, like I, I don't I don't want to have to go through the process of the city attorney and do all of that. I'm just going to um, you know register for this conference. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to put my I'm just going to handle it on my own. And um, I'll figure out the rest later. So I ended up registering for the conference. I paid for it all up front, out of pocket, um, paid for the conference, paid for my flight, paid for everything. And um, I didn't tell the rest of the council. I didn't tell the council leadership. I didn't tell anyone about it. And so I just did it on my own and ended up um, going down to DC. And um, so I went down there without, you know, the council knowing why I want to, because they don't have to know. I'm an elected official. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, and so I went down there. Um, it was a super amazing experience. And, you know, I met a lot of elected officials. I had a really nice suit that I wore that everybody loved. It was like this very, you know, I, one thing about me, I'm stylish, baby. I have my style. <laughs> I'm going to show out, especially in D.C. Oh, I'm going to yeah. dress up. You know, you're going to put a shirt on. It's going to be a nice shirt. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I made sure I had my, my most, you know, drippiest outfit. You know, I could, <laughs> you know, so I set up down there, you know, it was definitely eye-catching to a lot of people. Um, I, I did a lot of the workshops with the adults, but a lot of my work that I'm very interested in, I'm very youth-oriented. I like, you know, youth advocacy is one of my biggest things. So um, while a lot of most elected officials were there, there were also, sorry, low percent battery there. Oh. <laughs> um, while my other percentage were there, there, there were also youth delegates um, from all across the country that were there as well at this conference. And they had their youth like workshops and youth meetings and stuff like that. So my interest, I was like, you know what? Like, I actually want to be more around the youth. You know, I'm tired of telling these old politicians and all this stuff. I, like, I want to see what the youth's doing. Like, I, so I ended up going down there, you know, where the youth was at, um, participating in their workshops and stuff like that and taking part of all their things they had going on and ended up meeting them. And a lot of them, like, they, they started loving who I was. So, oh my God, like, you have a really dope suit. And like, I started talking to them, like, man, you're how old are you in your politics? I'm like, yeah, I'm 23, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I was able to, you know, I understand that generation very much well, so I'm not too much older than them. So I was able to correlate with them, understand what they were going through, you know, kind of talk to them about everything I was doing. And they just felt really inspired by me. And so I was able to connect with the youth a lot uh, while I was there. And so, um, like I said, um, this is what was really cool. I think this is what really pissed off my council um, while I was there. So originally, um, for the youth delegates closing section, um, the congressman from Florida, Maxwell Frost, was supposed to come down there and be the keynote speaker for them. Um, something had happened, something had tripped up where um, he no longer could come. 
And so they were kind of like, I was kind of in their group where they were kind of discussing this, like, oh, yeah, but Maxwell Frost can't make it and such and all that. I said, man, we need someone to replace him. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I do a lot of public speaking, you know, and um, I'm also a Gen Z elected official, you know, youngest in my state. If Maxwell doesn't come, like, I'd more than happy be to, to take a spot. And I said, oh, my God, like, yes, like, we'd love, like, if you could come, like, come up there and, like, and speak. If, if he doesn't, if he sends, doesn't send us an email by the end of the night, tomorrow we'll make sure you're the guy. And so that night, you know, I went back to my hotel. I was praying. I was like, please don't come back. Well, please don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I love it. I, I, it was like a hit of it. So I was like, I want to meet him, but also like, I want this opportunity. You know? yeah. And so the next morning came. They was like, yeah, like we didn't get an email back from him. You're our guy. So um, we'd let, we'd send us all your information, your bio and all that. And we'll have you coming out to speak for us for the National League Cities. I was like, cool. And so... I ended up being the keynote speaker for the youth delegates closing session for the National League of Cities. And I gave yeah. a killer speech. You know, the, the youth from all across the country loved it. You know, I was the only politician they, they gave a standing ovation to. And um, they, they ended up collaborating with me afterwards. Like, you know, they wanted pictures and went all this and that. And um, and I, I'm still connected with a lot of those youth delegates even now. And some of them are even interning for me right now, okay. um, which is really cool. Um, but the big thing that happened was the National League of Cities themselves ended up posting me on their Twitter page um, about, you know, I mean, coming down there and speaking, you know, saying, you know, Councilman from Linwood, Washington, Josh Bendis coming down here, like spoke in the National League of Cities and gave inspiring, and our council ended up finding out because they saw it on the, their social media. And so like, they tried to block me and ended up, then I ended up going down there and replacing Maxwell Frost as a keynote speaker. Oh and oh, being, wow. like, like bringing a lot of light to our community, to our city, it was a huge positive thing. And so when I came back, oh, they were pissed. They were pissed off about that. God forbid um, you represent the city on the national stage. God. <laughs> yeah. And so when I came back, our council next meeting, they had it on the agenda for the council members that went to the National League of Cities to talk about it, but they kept me off the agenda and they only had the other council member on the agenda to talk about it. And so, because they didn't, they didn't want me to talk about it. And so I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> and so the meeting starts and like, I, I made it in my council comments. I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I just wanted to make it known that, you know, I went down to the National League of Cities, you know, it was, like I spoke down there, replaced Maxwell Frost, it was an amazing experience. And actually I'm also coming back here because I'd like to personally, um, I'd like to publicly request a reimbursement for my trip for the for me that went down to the National League of Cities because um, I found our other council members were paid to go down there and I had to pay for it myself. Um, so I publicly request- Who looks embarrassed now? <laughs> mm -hmm. right. and so i requested this reimbursement and oh my god she was our council president was pissed off about it and so when it's her turn to speak she goes on there and speaks and she's like i just want to say that um josh benda was not approved to go down there to the national league of cities um he will not be getting reimbursed he wasn't a keynote speaker down there he was at most maybe a panelist but he was not a keynote speaker and that um he's coming he went to dc for his own selfish gains coming back to um to um to request taxpayers pay for his trip and all that and so she was publicly saying all these things and um, then it ended up getting into our local paper and from our local paper to our statewide media josh Binda goes on trip personal trip to dc and coming back requesting taxpayer dollars to pay for his trip and so there's then the whole thing going on with that and this all misinformation all lies and i sat down with our city assistant our mayor and I said, we went over our travel policy and everything. And our travel policy, it says to each council member's own discretion. They go to wherever meetings they want to, wherever conferences they want to. There's no approval process. So she basically made up this lie, made up all this and that, that I went on this thing and all of that. And so, and she was trying to get my reimbursement rejected as well. Um, so our following council meeting, um, we had youth delegates come in. I had youth delegates come in from all across the country, um, came in, zoomed in our meeting and testified. That I was a keynote speaker down there. That they don't know why our council is trying to lie wow. and to, um, discredit me and such. And also, our city assistant, our city attorney, even said, "Um, this was within Josh every right to go to this um, conference. Um, and technically, to, according to our um our, our city rules that we have here, our travel policy, he should be getting reimbursed because he should have been paid to go in the first place. There's no approval process. And so, even with all that happening and all that that transpired." Um, all the evidence, you know, testifying, the me being testified, being all these, all of this that happened. Um, our council president made a motion that she still, um, to the opinion of the council, that my re my reimbursement be rejected by the um, finance director. 
and it, it got approved in a 5-2 vote um, that even those within my right, even though I should have been reimbursed that, um, that they, they made it the opinion of the council, they were basically trying to influence the finance director to not reimburse me, even those within my rights to be reimbursed for the trip. Wow. Mm-hmm. So and they made them getting reimbursed. I ended up getting reimbursed. Wow. I ended up getting good. Screw them. Very good. Um, screw them. Yeah. But um, that was when that was when the segue when the NAACP got involved. Because that's when that's when this whole recall effort started coming into play with them. Because all this misinformation they were putting on lies. So yeah. That's when that I'll say that's what triggered the NWCP to get involved, and um, yeah, we're gonna you ask to... you about that. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> but, but before that's we it. jump into that, I want I just wanted to say like on this show I talk a lot about settling things like it's two kindergartners having a fight, right? And if you look at this like it's two kindergartners having a fight, one side which side is more like who's who's more likely to be the kindergartner who's lying, the one who. He's a city count who took a year off of college to become a city council member, a city council member that doesn't get paid shit, who's mm-hmm. apparently using his platform to uh, show tattoos of himself to children and go on lavish vacations to Washington, D.C., or the the failed politician who now owns a newspaper who's politically opposed to the to, to the ideas that that person represents who do you think has greater incentive to be lying it's so clear and obvious and it it does stun me that like it, it's not very clear to every single person who looks at the story even when it's from the the biased newspaper reporting and, and that's the thing I, I think it just goes to show how many a lot of people are locally at least uh, are politically checked out you know like people mm-hmm. don't, like people had no idea. People don't know who this guy is, Marlon Lamar. They don't know he ran as a Republican. They don't know. They just see the limbo times. Oh, okay. Like people aren't as politically engaged at the local level as they are. I would say there are like, look, we have a whole presidential race, and the voter turnout still low for even the like the highest level of politics. Yeah, you know, as in the local low, lower levels, you know, people just aren't engaged. They don't understand like the behind the scenes like corruption even at the local level there is you know, until it's exposed, like stories like mine, you know, but not every story like mine gets out there. And so um, I think it became more obvious as once people, once NWC became involved in investigation, um, and it really brought a lot of those, you know, things to light that people weren't seeing prior to that. So, Josh, you mentioned there that the NAACP got involved. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about you know, we kind of see why it happened. Obviously, this is a crazy story, and I understand why the NAACP would want to get involved in it. But what did they do, and and what was the outcome of that? Yeah. So, and after all that that happened, there was a third party. I didn't reach out to the NAACP. Got reached out to a third party. We're concerned with what was happening out to what was happening with me, and then NAACP reached out to me. And after I kind of broke down to them what had been transpiring, what's been happening. Um, the NAACP said, "All right, we'll 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 take this and we'll we'll investigate it." So what the NAACP did. Um, was they did a public rec- records request from all council members, all their emails, all their communications with the, within each other, within all just in general, um, over the last two years. Um, they did requests with emails, they did interviews with staff, they did interviews with council members, they did interviews with community members. Um, they, did, they, they did a whole investigation to find out um, what was happening and if there's any targeting or um, discrimination that was happening towards me. And so that's kind of what happened and what transpired what we found through that um there's actually emails dated even two years ago um this is what that that got exposed there's emails dated two years ago the day that i won my election um basically from my council president shannon sessions to the entire staff to the entire council basically saying okay um now that josh bend has won his election we because they didn't expect me to win um we need to start the process of setting up an ethics committee an ethics board basically that oh. the same they weaponized against me two years later um, because they were um, she she didn't like the fact that they didn't expect me to win. And she liked the fact that I got elected. And so they were already plotting how they were going to, you know, weaponize um, their attacks against me um, the day that I got elected. And and this email chains of her spreading misinformation in media about me, about this and that, and um, and just putting out lies to that that later got published about me. Um, that further discredited me and what I was doing. And so um, through the investigation, the um, the NWCP concluded um, through that, through the emails, through the interviews, through what they found with our city state, our city policy, our rules, and our regulations, 
and our and um all the things that she had broken, you know, and they had broken as counsel with that, that there was a, a clear targeting um and effort against me collaborating within our council, with the media, and with these people, this recall committee, um, which the recall committee is actually led by um a guy that was a former Linwood Times employee as well, his name is DL. And he also ran for state senate as a Republican in 2018, lost, and city of Linwood council, my position in 2019 and lost. And so Linwood, and Linwood like, Times oh. just loser central, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of hating, failed rep Republicans <laughs> that are trying to take me out because they couldn't do what I'm doing. Yeah. And and then you have people, yeah. And so basically the end of which we um, we held a we held a statewide press conference, you know, and uh we're we'll state media all over the place and everything like that, and we basically exposed all the information and concluded that, you know, I've been targeted and discriminated against as a plot by my council and, and and certain media outlets and people to unseat me as a sole progressive on our council. And so that was what was concluded um, from the investigation. It was a it was a pretty long investigation, it took a couple months. Um, and it was it was it was honestly sad to see um, the information that we got from that. And then also we found out recently, currently, you know, our council president, her husband and treasurer um, was donating to the campaign to recall me out of my office. They donated almost about a third of their funding wow. was wow. coming from the vice president um, to, wow. to call me out of my position. And so it was a whole it was a whole collaborative effort um from from people in the establishment and um these recall people failed republicans that that were upset that a young progressive person like me um won my seat you know i i just wanted to quickly add that i learned that shannon sessions city council president uh is a former police police officer who has her own nonprofit that mm -hmm. partners with local police mm -hmm. and she uses her position mm -hmm. in the city council to advertise, advertise and basically make these connections. So this, these accusations that she is lobbying against you about using your position somehow to profit personally when they're talking about like what basically nothing, no profit there, you know, um, it's so absurd on its face mm -hmm. when you hear the kinds of stuff that she's actually engaged in personally. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And she's the only from what from what I've heard, I'm not facts, but from the last I heard, she's the only paid staff in our nonprofit. Um in her paid position. For this um for her nonprofit that she's running um with the police. And so and then you have a former Linwood police detective that filed a PDC complaint against me and also is helping lead the charge for this recall effort. So who do you think's all collaborative? It's it's all you know, it's all their inner works, you know. Totally. Well, this is a great uh, kind of segue to a kind of more positive topic about um, just your activism that you've engaged in. Um, I just wanted to ask you about how before running for city council, you were a Black Lives Matter activist. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us how you got inspired to kind of organize BLM protests and rallies and how that activism kind of led you to the position that you're in now. Man, okay. I tell people all the time, I I never saw my saw myself as an activist until I became, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't something that I I I like planned what's what stuff like that. I just felt in my core, my core heart. Um, when I started seeing things, when, when I, I guess once I got awakened to how um, unjust, you know, our system is specifically, you know, our police system is towards BIPOC, you know, individuals, um, there was something in me that couldn't stay away from it, that couldn't ignore it, you know? You know, for so long, I felt like I I just continued to live my life. And, you know, I knew I knew what was going on was wrong. I knew that I saw was wrong, but I didn't feel the urge to make a difference because I guess I, one, I thought I was too young, and two, I didn't think that my voice really could make a difference in something that's so, you know, worldwide, I mean, not worldwide, it's countrywide, like a problem, you know, I was like, what What am I going to do? But it, it wasn't until, you know, that I, I truly felt it in my core, especially with the whole George Floyd situation that happened, yeah. I was, you know what, I, I can't sit back any longer, I, I, I don't care 
if I go out there and if it's just me protesting, if it's just one voice or a hundred voices, I, I I want to 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 do my part, you know, to be a leader in something like this and be and be a voice in something like this. You know, in high school I was a leader all around, you know, I was a state track athlete, I was a football captain, I did so many things that were leadership wise. And I think for me, um, once I saw something like this happening, you know, to, to and something that actually matters in the world, you know, that actually makes a difference in the world. It it was hard for me to see, you know, my fellow brothers and sisters out there advocating, fighting for it and me being like, I'm, I'm at home, okay, I'm going to be safe, you know, and honestly, a big part of my personality of who I am, I'm just a risk it all kind of dude. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm just like, I like to say, I, I, I'm pretty badass. Like, I, 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 <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> not afraid to, I'm not afraid to step up. I'm not afraid to be the change. I'm not afraid to stand alone or stand with many. You know, I think that's a, that's a very um, strong a, um, asset to me. Um, and so um, I think I, I, I decided that I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to, to step up and be a voice and be a change. And so I remember organizing like my first very protest. It was in a very white supremacist town that area, in the Homish. And I did not think many people were going to show up. I didn't think many people were going to. I remember going down there and thinking, you know, I'll be happy if maybe even 50 people come, maybe or less, you know, show up to this because we just need to we need to fight. We need to make we need to make our voices heard. If for too long, our voices have not been heard or brought to the table and this things so like this has been happening. You know, you know, obviously it goes back to Emmett Till, it goes back to now, like it's still happening, you know? And so every generation I feel like has had a leader step up and be a voice to put, keep things going, to people step up to be a voice. I was like, our generation, we need that. My generation, we needs we need those voices now. You know, that's the only way things are gonna propel forward. And I was like, why not me? You know, why not why not I step up? Why why not be one of those voices in something like this? You know? And so I remember I decided to step up, um, led my first protest in Dallas House in the Homish in our center area. Um I like I said, I didn't expect many people to show up, but over six hundred people ended up showing what? up. What? Oh yeah. my god. Wow. <laughs> Holy crap. I remember walking down the road and just seeing six hundred people like down the road. <laughs> and even though I organized it, I didn't plan on actually leading it. Like I brought a I brought I brought a bullhorn and I was like, Oh, like who wants it? And there's like Josh, like you organize it, you lead it. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> So I ended up leading it. I ended up like leading the march, and I ended up actually giving a speech, my first speech, um, afterwards. You know, everyone sat down and listened to it. And then I remember going home after that thing. It's like, you know what, Josh, job well done. <laughs> you fought. You put. You made your voices heard. You did what you felt in your heart to do. You're good. And I'm getting home, and as I get home, and I didn't check my phone all day. I was on D and D, and I opened my phone. And my phone was like blown up with like. <laughs> videos and like ta tags everywhere stuff like that from my speech from the from the march anything like that that's getting all it was, it was all over social media it's like i like it was such an inspiring moment some inspiring speech this and that and then all of a sudden i was getting text messages and emails from other cities from other mayors saying hey we'd like to meet with you we'd like to actually host a um an, a protest in our city so i sat down and met with another city like a couple other cities their mayors or city officials they sat down with me and their offices was like hey josh like i don't i'm 20 at this point like hey josh like <laughs> we saw what you did down there so we love you come down here and do something similar in our city and so I was like, okay like i, I could do that and so i end up getting <clears throat> driving around with like the staff like with the city mayor stuff like that there's like, okay what streets do you want blocked off where do you want the podium at where you want i'm like what is happening? Are they asking me? Like, what? Are, like, what is happening here? I'm like, am, am, am I becoming this like leader in a movement? And like, <laughs> it, just, it just became like a thing. I and then did one in another city. I think we had a couple. We had like three thousand people show up, and we like it was multiple wow. speakers. The the I spoke. I like inspirational, and then it just became a thing where I was getting called all over the state to be leader. And it's like, wow. I just stepped up when it mattered. You know, it wasn't something that I planned wasn't that I, I, I truly initially like I was going to be this. It's just what I became, you know, <laughs> my real voice. And then after that, um, you know, once I said I, I got involved in the community, became the chair of our diversity, equity, inclusion commission for the entire city of Wynwood, started doing diverse equity work for our city, started really finding out what the issues are, you know, finding how we can make it more diverse. I started just getting involved, volunteering at the food banks, just doing more things community oriented, wow. trying to find try and help the people as much as I could. And with all that that I had built up with the momentum from the activist, like to this day, I walk around the people in other cities and they're like, oh my God, you're that one guy that protest for you. I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, 
but like impact like that in the world never like people don't forget that you know and and so i would say that was a that was definitely how my rise to becoming a huge blm activist became and then all of a sudden i became this voice you know for a generation of leaders that were advocating for this black lives Matter movement and um as i as i stepped into it i realized how much like i was needed to be in that movement i was needed to be you know it wasn't and I think that's what made like I think like I said that's what made it so like such a great experience and such a great thing was it was organic it wasn't like I need to be the hero I'm gonna step up and be yeah. that I became the hero as I as through my heroics you know what I'm saying like <laughs> it was like as I was doing it I became I became the one stepping up in that mm-hmm. position to do that to lead it and as much as I did as like man this is what I need to be doing you know, this is what, this is my calling. It's what I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm led to, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of the things I advocate, I started all of a sudden having sit down, you know, Zoom meetings with our state legislators talking about police brutality bills and bans. They're asking me what I should, I'm like, how the hell did I end up here at 20 years old talking with our state legislators about, you know, how they can make their police brutality bill bans better, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, yeah. That's how clueless they must be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. They ain't clueless. They're talking to Josh Binda, man. Yeah, he's not clueless anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so it just it was it was very organic and it was very um in the moment. Um, but I stepped up when I needed to step up and became what I was meant to become, which led to me being where I am now. Like I said, even me running for office, it wasn't something that I planned. It wasn't something that I knew I was going to be at. It, you know, I didn't know how to campaign. I didn't know I was even going to be a great legislator. But as I stepped up and as I kept doing it, I was like, man, I'm built for this stuff. <laughs> like, I, I know, I, I don't know how I know how I'm doing it, but I know how I'm doing it. Like, I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was one of those things that felt natural. You know, it felt it felt like it was meant to, it was meant to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way I could describe it, you know? I love that. I mean, it, and I love how it it really makes the work that you've done and the fact that you just stepped into it without like premeditation really makes it much more accessible for other folks to kind of hopefully follow in that path because it's so important that younger folks get energized and get plugged into uh, you know, being change makers in the world and being leaders. Um, yeah. But yeah, what... Jo- uh, jo- but I was just going to say, that story is so inspiring <laughs> and that's exactly why all the shit is coming down on him in order yeah. to in order to tell the other people who might be inspired to do what he's doing hell you don't want to work you don't want to do this we'll put you through this and josh mm-hmm. doing a great job of saying oh, i can take it and yeah, yeah it's very inspiring to everyone i can't imagine anyone listening to this story and going like i can imagine them disagreeing with your politics i can't imagine yeah. them disagreeing with you as a person i appreciate that yeah well a lot of it's inspired a lot of people. I, I saw countless DMs and messages of young and old people saying, man, I'm just an inspiration. So like, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that I think about it as someone that's 23 and stuff like that. It's hard for me to be inspired by people, other people, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think as well, like all of us, like we all see each other as humans that do stuff like that. So to, to find another person that inspires you, especially for me being as young as I am, to be an inspiration to young and old people to say, I'm inspired by you. It, it, to me, it speaks volumes more of, of who I am and what I'm doing. It's, it's a lot bigger than me. It's not just about, this is just me, Josh Bender, getting on the city council and doing the work. It's about what I represent. It's about what's, what a demographic of people that have been, you know, shunned, that have never had a voice, that have never had like a place at the table, finally feeling like something gives them hope that represents them. You know, that, that like, it's all about hope, you know? And I think that once you can instill that hope into people, you instill inspiration. It, it's it's a lot more. I think that's why I'm a huge threat because a lot of the, I realize a lot of these people in these positions, they're regular Joe Schmoes. No one even knows who Shannon Session is from Limousin. Like nobody knows who she is. Like in the real world, even in our own city. Mm-hmm. But then you go like you go. I can go to multiple cities and people know who Josh Bennett. It has nothing to do with the top, the position. It has to do with the, insp- the the hope and the inspiration you bring on people. That's what sticks. That's what's powerful. Titles, I realize titles aren't powerful at all. Most people don't even know who are freaking senators and representatives here in our city, but they know who Josh, <laughs> they know who Josh been. And that, that, when I realized that that's why I'm such a threat, because not only do I have a position of power, but I also have something that's way more powerful than anything a, a title could be. And that's ins- like, I'm inspiring. I'm, I bring people hope. I bring people a sense of like that, that's something we want, you know? 
as a as a, a genuine thing and not just a vote. I'm not just I'm not just a vote on a ballot for people. When people when people vote, like are genuinely happy to vote for me because they're like this person's gonna be a difference maker. You know, that's what they're scared of. That's really what they're scared of. And and so yeah, that's a little bit more into that. You know, when you can bring that out of people, when you can inspire people, you can bring change to this world. I whole I wholeheartedly believe that. And and change that some people want, change that some people don't want, but it's change that's necessary. That's how I see it. Hell yeah, that's beautiful. So beautiful. That was a little poetic. I give it. <laughs> <laughs> when you said when you said you got sometimes I forget exactly what you said. But you're like sometimes you got to stand alone in order to stand with others. That that was yeah. that was damn poetic. <laughs> definitely poetic. We're gonna put it on a shirt for you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do, Josh. I was just wanting to ask you why you think it's so important that you fight back against these accusations and this recall effort. Because they ain't true. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, well, all right, let me let me say because they're not accurate. Um and clearly this is I think this is something that I've realized, like I said, it's a lot bigger than me. Um, why I'm doing this. Honestly, like I said, I could resign today, walk away from politics and make way more money and do a lot more. I'm 23 years old. I can go back. I can do a lot more with my life, you know, and just walk away from this. But because I've realized how big this is, how much bigger than me, what I'm doing, what I represent is, if I walk away, if I let these people think they can do this to me and, and take me out as the youngest person of color ever get let this with that, all those people that are inspired by me, it's going to, it's, it's going to, people are going to lose hope. You know, it's gonna it's gonna change things. It's gonna make people feel like people that look like me, that act like me, that that are are like me can't be in these positions. And that's not true. Me being in this position, seeing where I've done more, I've done more than my jobs even had me. I've I've gone above and beyond. I've been incredible at my work, actually. I think that's probably the reason why I'm such a threat. Um yeah. but because of that it's also made me a target, you know? And because of that, I, people need to see that, that people like, you can't just do this stuff to us because this happens, this doesn't just happen in just the political world. This happens in corporate, this happens in all types of business, all work, all workspaces. People of color feel, you know, they can't stand up for themselves because of what the retaliation is gonna be, you know, when they, when they, when they actually have to stand up and be a voice for all the things they go through. So they put up with the, they put up with the abuse, they put up with, you know, the targeting they put up with, you know, the shutting, they put up with all these things in their work field, all because they're scared to lose their position, you know? And like I said, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, first of all, I'm not scared to lose my position. I'm, my, my, my influence goes beyond politics. So I'm a fight. I ain't paying you shit anyway. <laughs> you know? And, and so like at the end of the day, like, I'm not afraid to show people, no, when you go through stuff like this, when you are being discriminated against, when you're being targeted, you let them know you're not going to tolerate that. And don't be afraid of what's going to happen. You stand up for yourself. You stand up and you stand up for what's right. You know, and that's what I'm doing. I'm standing for myself. I'm standing for what's right. I'm standing for the people that have gone through my same experience and feel like they, I hope this inspires people. That when you're dealing with these racist, white supremacists in whatever industry, you stand up for yourself. And you don't let them feel they can take you out of your position. And you don't let them feel yeah. like, you know your value enough that even if that somehow does happen, you know you're going to do something bigger and better for yourself because you're valuable. Mm -hmm. And that's what it comes down to. I'm valuable. And whether that's in the city of Limbo, whether that's anywhere else. So I'm going to be here. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to beat this recall. And I'm going to do bigger and better things. You know? Okay. Regardless, I, that's how I see it. And I think it's bigger than me. It's not just for me. It's for the next generation that comes after me, that look up to people like me, that want these certain positions. I... Me giving that hope, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna walk back on that now. I rep. It's it's too. It's too much more than me for me to think that I could just. Work. It'd be selfish of me to like just say, you know, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna let this go. You know, it's 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 not. It's not within me at this point to think that that's all I want. Like I want to walk away from this because this is too much. No, I I think I represent something that's a lot more. And um, because of that, I'm willing to withstand the test of time and and put up and put up a fight to maintain what I'm meant to where I'm, where I'm at, where I got elected to. I'm an elected official. The people chose me, not the system, not the establishment. They're not going to tell me whether they want. You cannot want me here or not. It's not your choice. It's the people's choice. Mm -hmm. And 
So you can either get with the program or you can step aside and let my generation be the change we want to see. Period. Okay. You know? And that's uh, how I yeah. see it. <laughs> you know, it's um it's amazing when I when I first came across your story, and we want to send a shout out to our friend Sadia, who, you know, first yeah. put out the video, and that's how I came across your story originally. And I'm just floored at all the different things that you have to experience. You know, I mean, you told me that you've been stalked, you're getting hate oh, mail. Yeah. There's, oh, a, there's a car driving around with a mobile like billboard on it. Mobile billboard it says recall Bindon now. They have their t-shirts. Yeah. Recall their website. You know, they yeah, you a, have your car got stolen. Car got stolen. Like <laughs> so, so many things you've got to put up with. And now there's the, this recall effort, right? Which they're trying to gather signatures in your community. About they need three thousand, and if they get it by December, there's going to be a special election held in February, right? So you are personally trying to raise funds to defeat this recall effort. Can you, like, as we're closing out here, can you tell us a little bit more about that uh, fundraising, particularly you're trying to do for this? Um, yeah. So basically, um, just to say, I ran a very grassroots campaign my first time around. You know, I don't have you know um, big donors. Um, that I can rely on, you know, I'm 23, still a pretty young person. Most of my friends are broke college kids, you know? And yeah. so um, for me, um, I'm fundraising right now, just in case that I have to um, run this campaign, um, this recall campaign in February, I'm gonna have to basically campaign all over again, um, which is gonna cost money, you know, send out flyers, yard signs, do a whole bunch of, you know, you know, press and paid stuff out there to, to make sure my name's out there for my constituents to, um, to vote for me. And so right now I'm fundraising. My website's um, retainjosh.com. Um, there's a fundraising donation link on there. You can donate. Um, any amounts help. You know, it would really be helpful in my situation to help me basically retain my seat here. Um, and so that's what the whole re, um, the whole fundraising aspect is for, is to prepare me to go up, up against potentially you know, another, I have to run another campaign basically. Okay. And yeah, that's definitely important for anybody who's listening, you know, please, we'll have a link in the description of this episode for those who want to go ahead and donate to the fundraiser. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. You are actually our first uh, elected official coming on the show. So we appreciate hey. you <laughs> gracing the left wing like that. And, you know, best of luck to you trying to defeat this recall and, you know, hoping to get you back on the show in the future. Oh, yeah, I would love to. And thank you, guys. It's an honor being, you know, y'all first elected official. You know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that I'm one of the first few of many. And I'm hoping you guys continue to grow and use your platform from things like this. So I really appreciate, you know, you guys' time, effort. And yeah, this is, you know, this was really fun. And I'm um, really great opportunity. And I'm just grateful. So thank you, guys.